Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, spending some time with us. We're just kind of borrowing some of your uh, time from your busy schedule, and we do appreciate you allowing us to do that. We've been doing this show for, what, 13 years? We started in 2007, and you guys have been right there with us, and I thank you just so much, thank you so much. And so now we've got even more listeners. Yeah, we went out and found some more listeners. We got lots and lots of new listeners, but hey, we are still dedicated to all of you listeners, whether you're some of our original crowd or some of the new crowd. We love you and we thank you so much. You can always drop us a line, info at filmfestivalradio.com. Our website is filmfestivalradio.com and we have got to, I've gotten so many emails. You guys are like, you need to, okay, I'm going to update the website. We just have been so busy. We have a big, huge announcement that is coming up on October 15th. I'll tell you more about it. Today is uh, October 6th. So we've got just about, uh, just a few more days. Yeah, a few more days and some change there. But I'll be telling you more about that. So, okay, let's talk about our guest for this show. Our guest is a very talented uh, international uh, film director. And his film is actually a series of uh, films. It's a three-part series. It's called The War on Cuba. And it will take place, it's a three-part documentary to be more exact. It's an in-depth look at the impact of American sanctions on Cuba and the political interests that are driving these sanctions. Award-winning actors, directors Oliver Stone and Danny Glover are the executive producers of this three-part series of films. And I'll tell you, these guys... If you can get them on board of your film project, you must be doing a lot of right things uh, because they are the executive producers. Now, part one of the three-part series will premiere on October 9th. That's this coming Friday. And the second part, part two, will air on October 16th. And part three, the final part, will air on October 23rd. So, again, it's a mini-series of films shows just how the American policies have impacted the lives of the people of Cuba and the whole country. And it's uh, uh, shown through the eyes of a young Cuban journalist. Uh, The film investigates the very powerful interest groups and organizations that are behind a lot of these policies. It is a must-see series of films. And again, uh, it will be premiering part one on October 9th, part two, October 16th, and part three on October 23rd. So you can see the entire series 
uh, is from the filmmakers Belly of the Beast Cuba. They have their own YouTube channel. Go to Belly of the Beast cuba.com go to that website and there you will find the exact link as to how you can just just all of the information about the entire series uh the filmmakers uh the journalist who is uh covering uh, and speaking during these uh all three of the films and again our guest is the director his name is reed Lindsay. he is the director and reed is I understand he's on hold. He's calling us directly from Havana, Cuba. So uh, this is going to be, I'm really looking forward to this conversation to find out more about all three of these films and uh, the entire project as a whole. So let's bring on uh, film director Reed Lindsay, director again of the three-part documentary series, The War on Cuba. So let's uh, bring up his line right now. Hello, uh, Janice? Yes, hello there. This is, this is Reed Lindsay. How are you? I am doing just absolutely fabulous, Reed. I was uh, just sitting here waiting on your call, and there you are. <laughs> All right, great. Okay. so Thank you. Let's jump right in here. Is the connection, is the connection okay? The connection, it sounds like you're just across the street from me. You're in Havana it's today? I am, yeah. I'm using Skype to call you. So. Oh, Carl, that's yeah. so cool. That's so cool. Well, we are all in sync here. So um, the film is the, it's a three-part documentary, The War on Cuba. So are you you're there still? Are you wrapping up uh, another segment episode, I should say, or are you guys finished with all three uh, episodes? I I wish we were finished with all three. We're still in the midst of it. Oh, okay. And uh, with COVID, the COVID here, and uh, it's been quite a challenge to get these done um, because we're we're doing um, we're showing not what's been happening over the last few years. So it's been quite a challenge to, to show that because COVID obviously has changed everything, especially in Cuba because they take it very seriously here. So there are very strict measures as far as wearing masks in public, and there, there was a curfew for a time, 7 p.m. curfew. So it's definitely set back our production schedule. But um, but we should we should be getting them all out. The first one's going out this Friday. Okay. Yes, the first one appears uh, premieres, I should say, uh, Friday the second. And third series will be airing uh, the 16th and 23rd of this month. And so we can see all of this on uh, the YouTube channel. Is that the Beast of the Belly of the Beast YouTube channel? Is that correct? Yes, Belly of the Beast uh, YouTube channel, um, and also our social media accounts. Um, they should be on there as well, Facebook. And um, uh, but yeah, YouTube is probably the best place to watch it. Okay, now let's start um, from the beginning here, going back. I understand now you are the uh, director, but I do understand that this project has also caught the attention of Oliver Stone and Danny Glover. So how did these two distinguished gentlemen get involved with this project? Well, Oliver Stone and Danny Glover have, um, for many years, in, uh, in addition to their more well-known work in in uh, in fiction and Hollywood films. Um, uh, they've been involved in uh, in films around Cuba. Oliver Stone has been done documentaries here, and Danny Glover has done a lot of activism around Cuba and um, 
and in pushing for uh, a different U.S. policy towards Cuba. So knowing that, um, this this seemed like a project that would be right up their alley and would be of interest to them, and, and a project they'd like to support. And um, and they have. So we're very we're very honored that they're supporting us in, in the project as, as executive producers. And so, as uh, we were saying a minute ago, this is a three-part documentary series, uh, The War in Cuba. So, in a nutshell, you're breaking them down into three parts. Uh, part one is um, the Cuba, and that's the part two, I should say. But part one is we can't vote in your elections. Um, tell us about that one. Well, uh, part one is, is it takes a very big picture look at the impact of the U.S. embargo in Cuba, and 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 in particular. The, uh, the the recent measures taken by the Trump administration. Cuba, the U.S. has essentially been at war with Cuba. Uh, it's been waiting an economic war against Cuba for, for decades. Um, and, and it's known as the U.S. embargo here in Cuba. They call it the blockade. Um, under Obama, uh, the embargo started to get loosened. And, and for the first time in a long time, there appeared to be a chance of better relations between the two countries. Trump has rolled all of that backwards. Um, and, uh, and, and intensified the embargo. And it had a huge impact on the Cuban people. So what we do is we take a look um, at the impact it's had uh, on real people here in Cuba, and as well as taking a look at the, uh, the, the, what, what's going on here. Why is Trump doing this, considering he himself was, uh, was interested in doing business in Cuba and had sent some of his representatives to Cuba to look into, look, to look into building hotels and golf courses. What was the change that, that made him take this hardline stance on Cuba? And so the answer to that question, because I'm wondering myself, uh, that answer is addressed in part one, episode one, I should say. It is. It is. And it's not a secret. Um, uh, Trump, as, uh, Although he clashed with Rubio during the election campaign, he they became very close allies when he assumed the presidency. And Trump believes, and he has expressed this uh, publicly, that uh, the support of the Cuban American community in in South Florida, particularly the hardline elements of that community, is what helped him win Florida, which is the, the biggest swing state in the country in the 2016 election, and which and and, and it also will help him win in 2020. Florida has been the decisive uh, state in elections previously. Um, it's come down to a handful of votes that happened in 2000 when, when Bush beat Gore uh, in that election. And, uh, and it could happen in 2020. And it's a crucial state. That's a crucial community in that state. And so these policies that are meant to appease that community to get their support in, or, in order to win the, the election. And so uh, part two will air on October 16th. Uh, titled The Cuba-Venezuela Connection. So tell us a, a synopsis of what that one would be about. Well, um, Cuba uh, and Venezuela have a, uh, a close relationship. Uh, Cuba sends uh, thousands of doctors to Venezuela. Cuba has an incredible health care system, and, uh, and they have sent doctors to help Venezuela with their system. And in turn, Venezuela has a lot of oil, as everyone knows, and so Venezuela sent Cuba discounted oil. Um, and, um, and so this, this relationship is one that the U.S. has attacked and tried to debilitate um, by imposing essentially an energy blockade, an oil blockade, preventing ships from transporting oil from Venezuela to Cuba. 
Um, and so the, we, we get into, uh, in the episode, we look into how this energy crisis has come about in, in Cuba and how it's affected real people here. And so um, part three is uh, the war on doctors. I, I used to uh, be a newspaper editor, and so my uh, boss, her, her husband, he was a, a chief of surgery of a major hospital, and they used to tell me how they would often go to these medical, international medical conferences in Havana because how Cuba has such a strong reputation for having such quality um, medical care and information throughout the world. So tell us about the, the episode three, The War on Doctors, which will air October 23rd. Well, Cuba is well known for its uh, healthcare system in Cuba. Mm-hmm. It's got the, the, uh, the one of the highest, not the highest ratio of doctors per inhabitants in the world. Uh, there are clinics just basically and doctors on every block. They put a big emphasis on preventative and primary care. And especially in the developing world, they've become really well known and a model of healthcare. Um, at the same time, Cuba, for many years, has sent doctors around the world to other countries um, to help with their healthcare on medical missions. Um, in recent years, some of these medical missions, like the one to Haiti, where I lived for several years, are that Cuba gets nothing back economically. And other countries do pay Cuba. Um, uh, uh, money. It's a way that Cuba is able to generate some money in the face of the economic embargo to help subsidize its own healthcare system in Cuba. So the doctors go, the doctors make considerably more money than they do in Cuba. So they're eager to go on these missions and they go voluntarily. And then meanwhile, um, Cuba, the government, receives money from these, uh, uh, from these uh, other governments that are receiving the doctors. And it helps uh, it helps their own bottom line. Now, uh, this this program, this international medical program, has come under uh, attack from the United States government in, in the last few years, and as a result, the Cuban doctors have been forced to leave Brazil, Bolivia, and Ecuador. And and, and the attacks have persisted even since then. The U.S. has also uh, been criticizing the Pan American Health Organization, which is associated with the World Health Organization, and in trying to stop uh, in any international support for this health program, which is really striking uh, in the context of COVID. Uh, while Cuba has been one of the models of, of uh, it, it's been sort of at the forefront of, of containing COVID, um, they have one of the lowest rates of contagion and, and rates of and, and death rates uh, in the world. Um, and uh, and you think these doctors could be out there helping other countries? Well, they're not. And you look at countries like Brazil and Bolivia, where the the impact of COVID has been disastrous. And so, how do you think that uh, people, especially in Florida, Cuban now who are Cuban Americans, how do you think this three part series is going to uh, set with them? Well, I hope it opens some eyes. Um, we are not propagandists. We don't work for the Cuban government. We are independent, uh, and um, and and we uh, in 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 the work we we, uh, we take a uh, we make a big effort to to maintain that independence and to show that and to really make an to to show sort of the harsh reality in Cuba and uh, and and how these policies are affecting Cubans. So I I, I don't think that that is um, talked about in the Cuban-American community very often. I think the focus is on the government, Castro, but not so much on how the embargo affects 
the Cuban people. Even in Cuba, a lot of Cubans forget about how the Cuban the embargo affects them because it's sort of this vague thing. I mean, you have the U.S. doing these policies; it's affecting the government, which, which in turn, which and and people, which in turn affects the economy. And then the economy is terrible. And who do you blame? Well, you probably you blame what's closest to you, and often the Cuban government uh, is blamed, and and they may deserve part of the blame for economic problems in their in their country. Um, but but when you have the most powerful country in the world opposing and uh, the longest trade embargo in, in modern history on a tiny island. That certainly is having a significant impact on the economy and on people's um, life, lives here. So, uh, so hopefully it opens some minds. I think it's very difficult to do in the Cuban-American community because it's a very, they have very uh, uh, strong opinions, and they're not always ready to listen to other opinions other than their own. And so what kind of uh, comments have you received uh, as you guys have been working on uh, the, the three-part series from maybe friends or colleagues of yours who maybe their family is originally from Cuba, uh, maybe they live in America here now. So what kind of responses in your immediate circle have you heard? Well, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't released it yet, so we haven't gotten uh, a full response. We, we released a trailer, mm -hmm. so that generated a lot of extremely positive feedback and a lot of very angry feedback, um, and uh, that's expected. And, uh, but I've been very encouraged uh, hearing back from people who have seen um, the, uh, the, the rough cut. Uh, I don't think that, there, that this story has been told this way. I've been in Cuba the last few years, and I've seen firsthand the barrage of measures against Cuba. And I feel uh, embarrassed by that. It's my government that is doing this to the Cuban people, and I think it's shameful. And I think that this is a story that should be told. Now, it comes out in news reports, uh, but, you know, news is there one day, it's gone the next. There hasn't really been any documentaries out there that have taken uh, an in-depth look at this and really put the pieces together. And so that's what drove us to do this. We feel there's a huge void in media landscape and the documentary landscape on this issue. And, um, and, and we really wanted to get to a young audience. Our we have a, a, a journalist who is a presenter throughout. She's young. Cuban woman, and um, and she is talking from the heart. She's talking about issues that affect her, her family, her friends, people she knows, and then people she meets along the way. And um, we're very excited about this. We feel like it's a, it's a new way of telling the story. It's a story that's told enough, and we we we, uh, we hope it can make an impact and hopefully open people's minds. And I want to make note that the journalist you're speaking of is Liz. Uh, is it Oliva Fernandez? Oliva? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, people want to get more information, bellyofthebeastcuba.com is the website, but it can be seen on uh, the uh, Belly of the Beast Cuba YouTube channel. And that's right. I'm just and just going, just going in and Googling, you'll probably find it, but if you go to the website, uh -huh. you'll see the links to the YouTube channel and, and, and all our social media accounts. What answer this last question here. So... Belly of the Beast, that is the – tell us all about Belly of the Beast and, and the work that you guys are doing. Sure. Thanks for asking. Belly of the Beast, it, uh, the war in Cuba is, is, is sort of our first big project. We launched Belly of the Beast earlier this year uh, to, to, to tell stories that really aren't being told in Cuba and, um, and also to take a hard look at U.S. policy towards Cuba. And I think that uh, it's, it's incredible – here in Cuba, people are tremendously affected by U.S. policy 
they're affected by the election, but they don't have a say in this. You know, uh, you could always uh, say in the U.S. that you know people complain about what the government is doing. And that well, you, you've got to, you can vote, you can vote them out. Well, the Cubans can't do that, and they're they're so affected uh, by by what are, what the U.S. government has done, and uh, and yet not that many people in the U.S. really fully understand what that's about and the impact it's having. So we belly the beast. Our mission is to is to show that not the impact that U.S. policy is having, but also to to show inspiring stories here in Cuba. Um, and to show what, what, what people's lives like are really here, are, are like here in Cuba. Cubans are incredibly resilient. Um, they are inventive and creative, and, and uh, there are so many beautiful stories here in Cuba that just aren't being told. You often just hear sort of uh, the, the negative uh, part of Cuba, and there, there definitely is a negative side to things here. Um, but, uh, but we're trying to tell the stories that aren't being told. That's our mission. And, and that's what, that's what we've been doing, uh, since early in the year. And one other aspect of it, I think is really significant is that uh, we are not parachute journalists coming in and telling stories, um, for, for an audience outside of Cuba. We are an extremely, we're in a collaborative project. We have uh, people from around the world who are involved in it. And in addition, we're working very closely with an incredible group of young Cuban journalists and filmmakers. Um, and, and I feel like that's a really novel approach. I, I don't know of another um, media organization um, that is that is doing that type of work. One of the events that I have wanted to attend in Cuba for years is the big um, international film festival that you guys have every December. And uh, each, I've seen video clips and pictures, and I've always wanted to attend. So maybe, hopefully, if this virus the whole thing is better. Maybe the following year I can finally attend. I understand it is one big heck of an event, film festival-wise. Yeah, I've been, I have uh, been to the last few years, and if you come, uh, look me up, and I'm, I'm happy to, to help out. It'd be great to, to meet you down here in Havana. Oh, well, I would love to. I, I, one of the things I'm looking forward to, not only meeting the people, but I want to see those I love classic old cars. <laughs> I just want to see those cars and take pictures of them and eat the food, of course. But uh, yeah. and the and the classic old cinema, uh, because, oh, that's and that's right. you know yes. the best part of the best part about the Havana Film Festival is not the movies or the parties and that type of thing, which is often the reason we go to a film festival. It's the experience of going to the cinema because you have these old classic movie theaters, large theaters, and people, uh, are, they're packed. And the, and the majority of them are not film buffs. They're mm -hmm. ordinary people who just, when the Cubans, the people who live in Havana, they love the film festival. You can sit and wait in line and talk to them. And some of them just go to every single film. They just, oh, and because wow. it's, it's practically free for them. Um, uh, if you're Cuban, going uh, cultural events are, 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 are basically free. They're extremely inexpensive, so it's very accessible to the population, and it's just a lot of fun to go um, to, to go to the cinema. Oh, you're making me really want to go now. <laughs> wow, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Well, finally, uh, will there be in because again, it's a three-part series. Uh, do you guys plan on doing any live tweeting with the viewers, the audience um, later this month, as the other two are shown, or what? Oh, um, yes, there will be some live events and, uh, definitely. And so, uh, but, but, uh, check us out on the, um, you know, Google us or search for us on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, and, and you'll, you'll find out all the info about those events there.
Okay, I'm going to tell everybody again. It's bellyofthebeastcuba.com. Sounds like your dog is ready to start tweeting there. <laughs> yeah, my little dog here. She's angry about something. Well, anyway, Reed, thank you so much for calling us all the way from Havana. And uh, thank you to your, your crew and, of course, Oliver Stone and Danny Glover for their tremendous input into this project. And hopefully all of us can uh, to, can learn from what we're going to see for the rest of this month. And just thank you so much for being my guest. And I look forward to meeting you. I uh, come to the film festival next year. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank, thanks for having me. really appreciate it. Okay. Well, we'll let you get back to work then. Thank you again. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye now. Okay, thank you so much, Reed, for uh, calling us all the way from Havana. Man, I cannot believe how clear the audio was. It sounds like he's right next door to me or something. I've called people across town and did not have that good of a reception, so uh, that's good to know. But again, the uh, three-part series, part one will air on October 9th, part two, October 16th, and part three on October 23rd. Lots of uh, lots of fascinating informative information, uh, the war on Cuba. So make sure that you go uh, tune in. Again, you can go to the website, belly, like your belly, bellyofthebeastcuba.com. And they have uh, their own YouTube channel. And all of the details, everything, the links is all right there. And I, just as I was telling Reed, I have, uh, I have wanted to attend the uh, the big um Film festival that we were, he and I were talking about. I've wanted to go to that festival for years. So hopefully, oh, hopefully COVID nineteen will have just gone away and just go away, and we can all get back to the best that we can of business and life as usual. And I can go into um, you know myself and others. We can go to the festival, the film festival next December is usually when they have it. But it is. Uh, I've heard so many wonderful things about this film festival. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, attending. And maybe, Reed, if you're listening, we're going to get to hang out and finally meet. And you can show me those cars so I can take some pictures and meet the people. I'm a very people person. When I go to foreign countries, I love just meeting the regular, everyday people, the working people. And they're always so kind and so sweet. Uh, it doesn't matter what country I've been to. I just find, uh, you know, just just like me, the regular people are just always so nice and kind and welcoming uh, to their country. And uh, I know a lot of people who are originally from Cuba. They're now Cuban-Americans, and they just, they're so hospitable, and they have such great food. They can cook so well. Yes. So anyway, uh, I look forward to attending that film festival. So, Reed, thank you for your time, uh, for joining us. And, of course, again, thank everyone uh, as always, for listening to the show. And we're going to shut it down for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. And we'll see you guys on our next show. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio. With your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 